gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Hall of Justice for 2021. Let's all hope that this year is going to be better than 2020. Although, if you're listening to this on the day it was released... This is not off to a great start in the United States of America. But we're not talking about that. We're going to go on a time warp this episode. There is a new Warner Brothers animation DC Universe animated film. And this one is probably the most unique. It is different on a lot of levels. This episode is not going to be the spoiler review. We are going to do that later in the month. We want to give people a chance to see it. It's called Batman Soul of the Dragon, and it arrives on digital starting January 12th. That's iTunes. That's you, you can get it anywhere you can get digital videos, Amazon. It'll be available on 4K and Blu-ray January 26, 2021. Today on the show, we have four members of the cast. And to be honest with you, they take up, oh, I don't know, you could argue... 90% of the film. David Gentoli plays Batman, Bruce Wayne. Michael Jai White plays Ben Turner, Bronze Tiger. Yes, that guy from Spawn and Arrow. Kelly Hugh is Lady Shiva. She's from X2, X-Men United. She's also from Arrow. Kelly Hugh's on the show today. And Mark DeCascos is the voice of Richard Dragon. Who's that? We are going to do a deep dive into who Richard Dragon is because he's from the 70s comics. That's what this film is. It takes place in the 1970s. And the interesting part of that is it's unlike any Batman animation before. It's not the 70s Batman cartoons. It is the Warner Brothers animation that you know. But the costumes are all based on the 70s books. Denny O'Neill. That, that, think Denny O'Neill. And you'll see Batman Soul of the Dragon. If you like the black exploitation films of the 70s, and we did a whole podcast with the cast of the Shaft movie, including the great Richard Roundtree, there is a lot of that from there. It's it's a lot of the 70s black exploitation. It's also it's like a Bruce Lee movie. Very 70s, and you can hear in some of the music because there are some parts where it literally feels like a film taken right out of that era, yet it's got the modern animation. It's got modern drawing. It looks great, and they're in the 70s. And one thing I will say about Batman, it, it is very early on in Bruce Wayne's Batman career uh, to the extent of he's not fully known as Batman just yet. It is very much, it's not an origin story, 
But it's a unique story, and it's an Elseworlds. And they make sure in the description they call it Elseworlds. And it, it is. It's, it's congruent of nothing. It has nothing to do with anything around. And I was very, very interested in what this was. The cast of this movie, who are on this podcast, are all not the regular Batman cast of characters. There's no Robin. There's no Alfred. There's no Commissioner Gordon. There's none of that. And the threat they face, unless you are a deep-cut comic book fan, you're not going to recognize either. And that's the cool thing. It's literally something you've never seen before. There's not a version of a character. The only person that looks vaguely familiar is Batman. And even he looks different. Who is Richard Dragon? Who is Lady Shiva? Who is Bronze Tiger? Well, they're all on the podcast today. It's Batman Soul of the Dragon. And it's out on Blu-ray January 26th, but it's out on digital very, very soon. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day that this podcast was released, it's, an, it's available in five days. So we're not going to do any spoilers because nobody's seen the film yet. I did get a chance to see it, and I liked it. And it's cool. Uh, we are going to do a full review in a future episode of the Hall of Justice. But today we're going to talk to the cast. And we're going to start it off, ladies first, of course. Uh, we're going to talk to Kelly Hugh, who plays Lady Shiva in this. But I know her from X2, X-Men United. She played Lady Deathstrike. And she's also been in Arrow. Uh, so she's she's like a jack of all trades. Kelly, it's so funny that you're like Hall of Justice royalty. I mean, between X-Men and yeah. Arrow and now this Batman film, it really is. I mean, I, we could have you on for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I do have a really fun career, don't I? I, I get to play so many awesome characters, um, characters that are far cooler and far more badass than I will. I could have, I could even dream of being. <laughs> Was that's, this, that's was this the, something the though? Were you were you actor. into that genre when you were, were when you were coming up? You know, with, either as a kid or as a young adult breaking into the industry. You know, I have to admit that I was not. Um, I didn't. I didn't read any of these comics when I was a kid. Uh, I grew up in Hawaii. I was born and raised in Hawaii, yep. and we did a lot of like Jap Japanese uh, superheroes. So the heroes that I grew up with were like Kikaida and, um, you know, Rainbow Man and Ultraman and um, Godzilla and Mothra. Those were like the fun things that I played. I had like action figures of those guys, um, but not not a lot of like the Marvel and DC. Um, yeah, weirdly that. But now, of course, I get, you know, to play as an adult in this world. <laughs> it's so much more fun. <laughs> But but when you did X2, and I obviously want to talk a lot about the Batman film, but your introduction to fanhood. So now when you're doing something like, you know, Batman, Soul of the Dragon, you know the people that are going to be watching this are going to be watching everything you say and do and every drawing that's in the film. That's awesome. You know, I, I, funny enough, I didn't even know who the X-Men were until the first movie came out. I, I went to go see this movie and I was like, oh, wow, cool. You know, the, what great characters. I, I was so, uh, you know, naive to, to all of that. Um, 
but when I went to my first Comic-Con, uh, <laughs> when I was shooting X2, I realized how crazy this whole, like, universe, this, the, the, the Comic-Con world is. And, um, and rightfully so. I mean, they're really fun, fun worlds to, to be a part of. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's so awesome as an adult to be able to, to play like this. And these Comic-Cons are great because I love seeing how creative people get with their costumes. I love when people come up to my table and they're dressed in these costumes and, and, um, and, you know, whole families uh, get dressed up and are, are able to, to be part of this world together and enjoy it together. Um, it's, it's really cool. It's really awesome to see. One of the neat things about this particular project, soul of the dragon is it takes place in the seventies. So I love me. it. So tell me, uh, kung fu movies. You're growing up in Hawaii. Kung fu movies, black exploitation films. Was that a big thing in your house? Well, not so much the black exploitation, um, but definitely the kung fu movies. Fair, fair enough. Uh, my dad, yeah, my dad used to take us to Chinatown to go and watch all these kung fu movies. Growing up, kung fu, of course, he called it, and. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember growing up watching Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. And, and then um, I remember when it would get like too gory and there would be blood and, and stuff. I would cringe and I'd be closing my eyes. <laughs> oh my I remember, yeah, I remember this one particular film where, you know, some guy like he'd get this whole like all of his guts pulled out. I mean, he comes flying out. And uh, I, it was, you know, I remember watching that and getting and getting traumatized and going home and and telling my mom about it and my dad getting yelled at <laughs> but uh, but uh, but yeah i mean i i don't think they were even playing these kind of films in regular theaters back then you had to go to chinatown to see all these films and my dad was really into it and of course my brother was studying martial arts i didn't get to study it um as a kid I, they made me take ballet because i was already too tomboyish but my brother would come home after his Kung Fu lessons on Saturday mornings and he would teach me all of the stuff that he would learn. And then he would set up fights with the neighborhood boys and take bets and stuff. He would play like he was my manager and take bets and, uh, and make awesome. them fight with the boys in his neighborhood. You're like the real life Mulan. <laughs> I know. You're, you're faking it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't think you're allowed to do that with kids anymore. <laughs> well, you're telling the story, and I'm like, where have I seen this movie before? <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, you have done, you know, all these different roles as both in voice and in real life. I mean, you played China White on Arrow, but you also, uh, you you've played Shiva before, and in in a video game. Um, what yeah. had you what had you learned about Shiva the first time that you could apply to the second time? And by the way, I have to mention you have we're not doing spoilers in this podcast, but my God, you have some funny lines. I this is a really fun Shiva to play. She is so cool and calm, and she's she's a, she's not a woman of very many words, but when she does speak, uh, 
you 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 got to be careful <laughs> because she is really uh, a badass. Um, and it's funny, you know, the the last time I I played Shiva in the video game, you know, in these in these games and stuff, you have to be so careful because um, they they never want to tell you what you're doing, right? Because the the fans are are so rabid that they're just looking for any little tidbit of information. So oftentimes these, 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 these projects, they'll do it under like a pseudonym. So I'll walk into this, not even knowing what I'm oh, doing wow. or playing until I get into the room. And, um, and because I'm not, you know, because I didn't grow up with all of this, they'll tell me, they'll make, maybe they'll mention Shiva, but I'll, you know, being that it's the first time that I hear the name, I, I won't know who it is automatically. Sure, sure. Um, and so, and so I remember having voiced that and then forgetting about doing it. Right. In 2013. Uh, right. You're, you're, yeah. You're in the room, you, you, you do the voice and maybe you come back a, a second time or third time, but that's it. And then like, you don't hear about the project again until you have to do ADR, like maybe a year later or two years later, sometimes with the video games. Right. And so um, I remember being at a Comic-Con, I think it was in London, where some kid hands me a DVD of the video game and asks me to sign it. And I remember looking at it going, I don't think I'm in this. <laughs> he goes, no, you, you are. And I go, really? He goes, yes, you play Lady Shiva. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he like busts out his phone with the IMDb like yeah, yeah. to prove it to me that I played <laughs> Lady Shiva in this video game. <laughs> so yeah, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to remember even what you've done. <laughs> well, no, and that's a compliment. I mean, listen, I could sit here, I could spend this entire time talking about just the superhero stuff you've done. I mean, Young Justice and Spectacular Spider-Man, and it, it, it goes on. Afro Samurai, you've been in so many things. But I, I, oh, was t yeah. I was saying earlier in the podcast, and again, it's not spoilers, the greatest line you have is when you're about to fight somebody at the, it, towards the end, and you go, I'll take the woman. Her outfit offends me. And I <laughs> <laughs> so that's gold. That's right. She has the best lines in the whole movie. I have to admit, I loved playing Shiva. She was so funny. It was, it was, it, <laughs> and I think the, the 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 key to her in this, I think, is that she's just so cool. Like nothing phases her. You know, it's like she's 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 really psycho. <laughs> <laughs> she is. There's no, there's no secret, there's no secret about that. In our remaining minutes, uh, I have one X Men question and one Arrow question. Um, yeah. Real, really quickly, um, when you're doing uh, X Men, and it has gone down in history as arguably the greatest of the X Men films, and there are many of them now. Um, uh -huh. How does that? How do you look back on that time, and how do you look back on that film? given the fact that it's legacy, it seems to have gotten better in fans' minds through the years. It was, I think, such an amazing film. I, I and, and, and to be able to work with those actors, you know, they're like, they're, they're gods, right? I mean, Oscar-winning and, and beyond. Um, you know, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and Halle Berry and, and, and Brian Cox, who I got to do so many scenes with, and now yep. Hugh Jackman. I mean, my God. 
yeah. the, it, it was it was really just such an honor to be in the room with those guys and and being able to work with them was just uh, a godsend and 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 they were all so nice <laughs> oh, sure. and i have to say surprisingly playful you know you you see all these guys especially um who are who are these uh shakespeare you know like theater trained actors right. and then to see them in between takes like dancing and singing and just being so goofy you know you're like oh so this is how they 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 roll they're like you know the, that that this is how they sort of stay sort of childlike and 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 playful right to to be able to 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 find these characters because i mean think about it what we do is 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 like what how kids play you know we we pretend for a living and um and just watching their process was so awesome well based on that and the fact that i like making you laugh and it's it's like a goal of mine to make you laugh <laughs> Who would win in a fight, Stephen Amell or Hugh Jackman? Oh, wow. That's so hard. I had to do it. I had to do it. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that would be amazing to watch. Could you imagine? Um, Hugh, Hugh is just, you know, he, when, when I did that fight scene with him, um, you know, he, he's not a, a, a trained fighter. He's right. a trained dancer. And so, you know, everything that he learned was just, you know, pretty, he, he's just a quick learner. He's just a guy who's really in touch with his body. And then, and then with Steven, he, uh, he is also athletic, but he also was not much of a, a martial artist per se. He really learned everything for that role, but he's, so athletic um yeah I I, it. It, it was too funny yeah it was it was it was it, too unavoidable especially once you right? said it about you i had to go there uh real quickly <laughs> real quickly the film is set uh-huh. in the 70s who is the target uh-huh. demo for who's the audience for this movie uh is it people who lived in the 70s and watched those films or is it the young person who's never seen that era ever except in a comic book you know, I, I think this is a lot like um, like Phineas and Ferb. You know, the the the, uh, the series that I was doing on Disney. You know, it, it, it's it's a Disney series written for kids, but so much of the humor was stuff that kids would never even get um, that the adults could so adults could watch it with their kids. I think mm-hmm. this is going to be the same kind of feel where the kids will will enjoy it just because it's uh animation and all of the action and how fun it is to watch but the adults their parents who lived through the era are going to get it on a whole other level and are going to enjoy it even more so so it'll be like a family sort of film that that kids will be able to watch with their parents such a politically correct answer very nice <laughs> Kelly, it's been an honor to have you. I've been a fan for such a long time. Uh, The film's great. Congratulations on it. And uh, happy holidays to you and to to, to your family. And stay safe. Thank you so much. You too. You stay safe out there. The great Kelly Hugh. And uh, I recommend go go rewatch Arrow if you can. I think that's on Netflix. And go see X2 again.
one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Again, Lady Shiva, Bronze Tiger. These are the characters of Batman's Soul of the Dragon. Michael J. White has been on Arrow, and he actually played a version of Bronze Tiger in that show. And he joins us now here on the podcast. Michael, congratulations on this Soul of the Dragon. What did you know about Bronze Tiger, and what did you know about the 70s Batman? Was there, was there literally anything? How much of a deep dive did you have to do? Well, 70s Batman, is, all I know is the TV show, and that was campy and fun or whatever. Of course, this was quite different. This was more like the, the 70s movies I grew up on, very, most, more like Into the Dragon and uh, fused with uh, 007, you know, the James Bond type of thing. So this was really down my alley. You know, I, I being the guy who wrote Black Dynamite, I love this, this time period and this genre. So I'm, you know, I was all over it. it. It's it's fascinating in that you know there there are stereotypes that are played, but those were what they were. I mean, there is, it's it's not biased in any way. It's not prejudiced in any way. But you know, your character has the afro. Like, there's no way he wouldn't have the afro in the '70s. But there's no way he would have that now. And you know, it's so interesting to see because there is an arc for your character. There are flashback scenes that are really, really touching. It's not just about how tough he is. And how do you juggle how to be Mr. Mr. Strongman, but also actually the Ben, you know, the, the, the idea that Bronze Tiger could be more than that? Well, it's, it's only just being realistic because every strongman hides the soul of, of something fragile. I mean, why are you going to build such an armor if there was a, wasn't something to protect, all right? So reality really states that. Look at, look, look at our toughest guys. Look at Mike Tyson, okay? Look at people Wait, like you, that. You, you, you're familiar with Mike Tyson? I'm obviously being yeah. sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there's, there's a guy like that where a lot of our toughest guys are the most sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, and that's something that you see over and over in a lot of, these type of movies, you know, and I think that's why the the tough guy really kind of connects with us because we know deep down that they're a lot of times they're they're injured, you know, and they're protecting us all because they see the innocence and in, you know in themselves and but they have to happen to have the muscle and the gumption to protect sure. us. No, it makes per- per- perfect sense, and you you brought something up that's going to bring up an idea. And I can't bury the lead because uh, you and I have this mutual friend and I have a joke about this mutual friend because I have to know the answer to this question. I used to do a radio show with Todd McFarlane. Oh, okay. (laughs) And 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 what people used to tease and he's been on this podcast earlier. We've had him on an earlier episode. And what we used to tease was that he spoke. 85% 85% of the time, and I barely got 15% of the words in. So my question to you is... Who's your problem not do that? No, so, so, that so, so here's the question that I was going to try to make you laugh with, which is, when you were getting the makeup to be Spawn, did Todd McFarlane talk your ear off? And what was harder, getting the makeup or not being able to walk away and have to hear one of Todd's stories? Todd was never there when I was doing my makeup. Todd oh. was, Todd, 
I think Todd, <laughs> during the entire filming, I may, I think he might have showed up four times that I can recall. Uh-huh. Uh, these are over months, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have lasted <laughs> if that was the case. But no. But 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 Todd wouldn't have would have never been in the makeup trailer uh, when I was there because I I would I'd have to get there like four or five in the morning, go through hours of makeup before the rest of the the crew would be ready. Right. So that that would be that'd be that'd be hard for him to deal with. <laughs> Well, and it's it's just funny because when he would do the radio show and you could get him on a topic, he never he literally would not stop. And it's his best quality. It, it, it was his best quality. And it was one of the funniest things. And when I found out you were coming on the podcast, all I'm thinking about is I wonder if he had a Todd McFarlane story like we had. <laughs> and it was just that's that's what I was that, thinking. Todd, when we were going on the publicity tour. And, and we'd be up there on stage, there you go. and there's a Q&A, right? Yeah, yeah. I would laugh. I, I'd laugh my ass off because people would line up behind the microphone. To meet him. And, and, and I'm going, uh, only three of you guys are going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> like, there'll be like, there'll be like 20 people lined up thinking that they're going to get their question in. No. <laughs> At most. Because... It would take him about uh, about twenty three minutes per question. <laughs> and I was like, "You three should just remain, and all you others should just have a seat." Right. You know? All you got to do is but smile, yeah. and take some pictures, and that's all. That's all you had to had to do. <laughs> right. Uh, I, ha- I I I was gonna save it for the end, but there was something you said about just the idea that you know you can have this guy be a really tough guy but have something hidden inside this this personality this 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 internal uh heart that you know they don't want you to see but you, you, they show in this film the soul uh, batman soul of the dragon um what was the idea that when you found out that you were playing bronze tiger and how different this bronze tiger is from the one in arrow well, I mean, uh, it w- wasn't a big difference. I, I just think about, you know, it's it's a diff- you know, it's just going to be a different character. I look at the the script that I'm given, right. and craft it from there. So this clearly being, to me, probably closer to what the character was first intended. You know, being that it was created around this time, right, and. Uh, and so, yeah, like, so to me, this is more of a purer version of that character. What was your thought? And we, we haven't done spoilers on the show, but what was your thought on the idea that uh, Bruce Wayne has to earn his stripes with you, with your character, and that that you don't just chalk it up to anything because he doesn't have the pedigree at that point. He's He's not Batman yet. And the training scenes that you guys have together are really interesting. And there's that scene where you kind of get into it, you know, you start with him and you see who Batman becomes and you kind of bring it out of him. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a good nod to how traditional martial arts were. It, it wasn't a business and it was, re- it was hard, you know, um, that's kind of what I grew up with and you had to earn your stripes. And so I was, I was really 
happy to see that because you don't really see that in movies nowadays. And I'm glad that they, they were true to that, that genre. You know, it, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. I've asked this question of other people, so I'm going to ask it to you. Who is the target demographic for this movie? Who wants to see this movie? Is it the fan who remembers those 70s movies? Is it the Batman fan that remembers, you know, the Adam West show and the and the comic books of that era? What who who is the 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 person that this movie is targeted to? Because in my head it's Bruce Timm. It's like he wrote the movie that he would want to see if he could have a fantasy movie, because if anybody's a child of the 70s, they never made movies like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think this is a broad audience could get this. I, I look at just like Bugs Bunny. You know, it was, you know, there was references that that clearly were meant for older people, but younger people enjoyed the the you know the first go part of it and are just the fun of it so i feel like just like where i you know like i'm the guy who wrote black dynamite and played black dynamite i that that movie is intended for a broad audience and i'm i'm introducing a world that is just so vibrant that you can't take your eyes off and I think that's similar in this movie because in the seventies, my goodness, man, everything was just the music, the, the style, all of that. I think it was the best movie making this country ever saw best music, best time period. So I'm hoping that like, you know, my intention in black dynamite, it, it just grows a, a very broad and wide audience that just just really recognizing something that's cool whether they understand it or not you know it, it's so funny that you mentioned black dynamite because we did an earlier episode uh, last year i want to say with the cast from shaft the new the new shaft you know with samuel L. jackson and uh jesse t usher but we got to meet with richard roundtree and Richard mm-hmm. Roundtree, I, I would you know because you b- wrote Black Dynamite. How much of Richard Roundtree's work had you seen? Because if you watch Black Dynamite, and I haven't seen it in you know almost ten years now, but the characters are so similar in their demeanors. What's your thought on on that? And what what kind of a, a of a of a legacy Richard Roundtree started? Well, yeah, I mean he was he he began it. Right. Tremendous. But, you know, like I've, I concocted my Black Dynamite character out of pieces of a few different people. There's a lot, there, there's a lot of the um, Jim Kelly and there's Fred Williamson and there's actually Jim Brown, who I think I based most of it a, a, around. Interesting. Where, yeah. Yeah. Jim, Jim Brown, who also was like, a, for a while, he was like a surrogate dad to me. You know, he's he. These were my heroes growing up, and it's just been amazing that I would, I would grow up and they would become friends of mine that I work with. You know, mm. so that, yeah. So those were those are my heroes, and that's where I kind of derived Black Dynamite from. What about this idea that in this time, um, those kinds of role models, and you know, the, the idea that. 
you know, tension is so high in our society right now, and there's so much uh, going on, and so many people have hurt feelings, and some people, many people have anger, that to see black characters that are presented in the way that you're portraying them, um, what kind of pride does that bring you, and how important is that, just given the culture that we seem to live in right now? Well, I mean, I, cool is cool, you know. Um, honor is honor. You know, so I don't think it's, I think when you, you, when you present a cool and an honorable human being, you can't deny that, that's, that's what's, that's what's, you know, uh, important about the character, skin color or not. So I think, um, you know, having characters and especially the message that we are stronger together than we are apart is a great message to, to deliver in these days. So yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all behind that. I hope people can extract that meaning from this movie. Well, I, I have to say that you know the, the movie is a lot of fun, and it's just so unique. It's not like any other Batman movies. If you have you had you seen a lot of the earlier incarnations in animation, it just seems like this one is so stinking different. It, it it's it's nothing like it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it. I, I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, um, I really applaud the, the, the writer and the, the, the direction of, of this. And, uh, I mean, I just think that they picked something that is just so authentic and, um, you know, I, 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 th I think that's, uh, I think that's what is interesting now. I just watched Sylvie's Love last night mm. and that that movie was just so well done because it's so authentic and all you had to do was just be authentic to the time and it just it just even if you don't remember that time period my kids love this movie mm. just and my wife and I loved it like on another level and it's just like wow here we are with quality here we are with a time period and an authentic movie that kind of exemplifies that. And I think that's the way to go. Uh, people want authenticity nowadays. And I think that's why uh, Batman Soul of the Dragon sticks out. I think that's what makes it unique because it's, it's so damn authentic. I'm so interested in hearing how people are going to react to this movie. You know what I mean? I, I, I love that we that I got a chance to see it. And we, you know, what we do is we usually review movies, but we let people see them first. You know what I mean? And so I am so interested in hearing like what it is people take away from it because there's so many layers and it's such a character driven piece that it really seems very interesting. And I, I'm just I'm just I'm just excited to see what people take away and what other opinions are and i would imagine through social media and such you're you're as interested in that as as anybody yes i'm i'm yeah it, it's a great time that you i can hear the feedback yeah. i can see the feedback now not since i was on stage in new york was i able to have a direct connection with the audience so much right, right. so yeah i'm excited about it. well congratulations on the film and congratulations again on 
everything that has gone on uh, in your career. I've been such a fan for a long time. It's a thrill to have you on the show, and I- I'd love to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to that. Michael Jai White here on the podcast. Okay, the rest of the cast. We ha- still have to hear from two members of the cast of Batman Soul of the Dragon. We're going to hear from Bruce Wayne, but we're also going to hear from a guy named Richard Dragon. Richard Dragon was created by Denny O'Neill and James Barry in a novel called Kung Fu Master, Richard Dragon, Dragon's Fists, in 1974. O'Neill later adapted the character for DC Comics in a comic book called Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. In this version, Richard Dragon is Asian and really has a strong resemblance to Bruce Lee. He's voiced by Mark DeCascos, who joins us now here on the show. Mark was one of the Inhumans in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's also been in Cradle to the Grave, and he's been in John Wick Chapter 3. Mark, first of all, congratulations on Richard Dragon. And now that you've seen the film, uh, what was your thoughts going into it after the recording? Uh, Well, thank you for having me, Seth. And I love it. I I love the show. You know, I, I I rewatched some of it last night and uh even more this morning. And I love that it's so uh it has so many notes, so many uh colors to uh to the movie. You know, it has uh, I don't know if I've ever done no, I know for a fact I've never done, in my opinion, uh uh played a character who had a cooler introduction. You know, it was a uh, sexy and exciting, uh, intense, and then funny. And I love, I love the show's sense of humor. I love the people who worked behind the camera on, on, and, and in front, uh, just the whole production. I am so honored and feel privileged to work on this show. So do you think I like it? Yeah, I'm 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 gauging that. Uh, And we're not going to do spoilers on this podcast because I want to let people see it first. And we're going to review it, you know, in a couple of weeks after, you know, people have had a chance to see it. But I will steal one line because you you mentioned funny and there are a couple of funny lines when you're reunited with the group in the present time of this film. And you just go, Bruce has a mask. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. You know, you're in these moments. And, you know, and then these lines come out of nowhere and and all of our characters have them. Uh, I mean, literally, I, you know, I'm watching it for the second, third time. Yeah. And uh, I burst out laughing. I mean, I'm by myself. I've got my, my, my you know, uh, our two dogs and, my, and I'm dog sitting at my in-laws dog. Okay. And they're sleeping, sitting here watching the movie. And I burst out laughing and everybody wakes up and looks at me like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. It's funny, but it, but yeah, but you know, it's it's crazy because uh, it's an animated film, but it it still has some sexy going on, and there's moments where I actually get scared, even though I know it's coming. It's 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 really fun. It's well, so much fun. Since you said sexy twice, I have to say the line that Kelly who uh, steals Lady Shiva, where she's fighting. I'm not going to get into who she's fighting, but she goes. Right. I I want the girl. I, her outfit offends me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, yes, these characters are hilarious, and um, you know our composer, 
Joachim or Joachim. Yeah. How do I pronounce that correctly? But he, uh, Joachim Horsley, he did a brilliant job. It gets you in the mood, you know, for, 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 the, for the context of, uh, you know, where this story is set, you know, in the 70s. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. All it's right. fantastic. I can't just throw you softballs. They take my journalism degree away. Um, All right. My question about this film, and I'm going to ask this to yes. everyone that I speak to about okay. it, is who's the Alrighty. demo for this? You know, the other films, some of them, there is nostalgia. Some of them, uh, there is, you know, it's geared towards youngsters. But do right. you have to have lived in the 70s to really appreciate a 70s set comic book film? I don't believe so. I think we're going to have a very wide demographic. And, you know, with three kids, I have a 14-year-old daughter, an 18-year-old son, and an almost 20-year-old son. And they're bringing... Well, you went in uh, reverse you know, order. Bring... I always introduce my oldest first. That's interesting. Go for it. Well, you know, the girl's the boss, man. So uh, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, all three of them are bringing back music that they've heard on, on different platforms and um, places um, from, from the seventies. Uh, so I think, I think we are in the ballpark to hit a, a huge audience, um, with the music, uh, with the action. And again, um, what I love is that, you know, good shows always go deeper than what they say or what they're showing. You know, there's so many different meanings to the lines, um, out of context and in, in context. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to hit, uh, the kids, the parents, and the grandparents. Very nice. That's what I think. I want to see grandparents see this. I'd like to watch videos of grandparents watching this film. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, were, were you a but fan? You know what? Oh. Me, me too. Yeah, right? Uh, were you a fan of, of the 70s, like the exploitation and the kung fu films and stuff like that? I'll be honest. I'm born in 74, so I'm a little young for that. You know, I'm more of the 80s. Right. I'm, I'm the Back to the Future kid. What about your connection to this? You're a little older than me. What's your connection to that genre? Because this film does recreate that genre. Absolutely. Well, I was born in 64. So, um, you know, when, when Enter the Dragon hit, man, that was amazing to me. And I think, um, so yes, I am a fan of those 70s films. They had a huge impact on me. And... <clears throat> You know, you, you look at all of the notes that Enter the Dragon hit, and uh, I, I feel like a lot of them we hit in, um, in Batman's Soul, Soul of the Dragon. Uh, really, it's, uh, it's so incredibly nuanced, and it's profound. Um, you know, listening to uh, James Hong's Oh Sensei, you know, talking about yes. pain is a, it, you know, all these, I won't give the lines away, but they're just, they're profound, you wow. know, and I'm going, how many times have I heard my martial arts teachers tell me that, you know, um, and of course, good teachers transcend uh, the art they're teaching, you know, so the martial arts goes, you know, much more into day-to-day uh, -day life um, than just, than just the fighting. And you mentioned James Hong, and he has a—he doesn't have the line in this film, so this isn't a spoiler. 
But every time the characters interact with him, you hear his voice, you recognize his voice. And all I think about oh, is yeah. the episode of Friends when he's training John Favreau and he says, no <laughs> boom boom before big fight. And that's all I wanted him oh, to say. Oh. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that was a pretty good rendition of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, well, it's, it, it, yeah. it plays. It plays. And, and if anything, there are times when the orchestra comes in and it's superhero you know, music. And there are times when it yeah. literally feels like you're watching an episode of, you know, one of the Shaft films. Like, it, it really does yeah. look like that. Yes. I, I mean, for me, I, I love it. I love it. And I, I, I really do believe that uh, the younger people, uh, too young to know, you know, uh, or have lived in the 70s, I think the style and the music, the beats, you know, the, uh, the action, I think there's so much that they will be attracted to. Yeah. No, there's no question about it. I do have to ask you before we let you go, uh, you were in two things that this podcast covers so closely and I'm not going to I'm going to going to bury the lead. You were in the original Flash TV show? Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting way down deep, man. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. That was so wild to see John Wesley Ship put that costume on again last year. That was so cool. <laughs> hey man, he's kept he stayed in good shape, right? Sure. He's still going. Yeah. And uh, we, we just did a big episode uh, on a retrospective on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And you were one of the Inhumans, correct? I was. I, I was uh, a character named Guetta, and I had some telekinetic powers. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. You were on Lu hey. Lucifer. You've been on a bunch of things, and I, and I, and I applaud your career. Uh, but I had to, I mean, the two, super, the Marvel and the DC, I had to hit them. I, I mean, they, they, again, they take my superhero card away. I... I I appreciate that, Seth. No, it's I, I've had I've been having a great ride, and uh, again, I'm 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 so honored to be a part of this one. It's so fun. And Richard Dragon, this is a completely different look for him for the comic book fans. You know, the, in the comic book, he has orange hair. He he looks very very different. They recreate Richard Dragon to for a new look that really fits this film. Uh, you know, I think we have all colors of the rainbow. Yeah, there's no secret there's no secret about that. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for doing this. And like I said, uh, the film is 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 really, really it is it is a poignant genre film. There have been comic books in that era. There has never been animation in that era. There's no secret about that. Oh, fantastic. Well, Seth, thank you for having me, man. Really appreciate it. We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice, but first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do, and yeah, we talk about it from time to time, but anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words, because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. And they've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish Geography. 
Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. Seems like a really nice guy. Mark DeCascos, who is Richard Dragon in Batman, Soul of the Dragon. All right. We have not heard from Batman yet. This guy sounds like Batman. David Gentoli. He was Nick Burkhart on the show Grimm. He's been on Key and Peele. He was on Hot in Cleveland with our friend Perry Gilpin. Uh, Eli Stone, Grey's Anatomy, Veronica Mars. He's done a bunch. And who he's married to actually is going to be impacting the Hall of Justice podcast in the next couple of weeks. David, I, I, I just have to tell you, you know, that you've had a lot of great roles. And, and I remember you from Grimm and you've done other things. But how cool is it to be able to tell your friends, dude, I'm Batman. Like, does that get you first round? Do you get to shoot first in pool? Like, how does that work in your social circles? Um, let me ask you this way, if I may. Um, you know something's going well in your career when your friends just stop calling you altogether out of envy and, and resentment. So I know I'm doing something right because they don't call me anymore. <laughs> um, no, I, I, they, a lot of my friends are actors and a lot of them grew up absolutely steeped in, in DC uh, mythology. And I was this guy totally ignorant of everything. And I'm woefully... Um, uh, there's a there's a yawning movie vocabulary around comic books, and I get to play Batman of all of my friends. So yeah, they they, they hate me for it, and and they love me for it at the same time, as they should. Batman, you know, the, just the just the idea that you know there have been so many uh, Batman voice actors, and you know, yeah. w you know whether or not you were a massive fan growing up, and and I can ask you that too. But just the idea yeah. that were you. Um, did you check out other Batman performances uh, when you knew that you were going to be doing this? And did you take anything from the, the dozens of people that have been Batman before? I mean, you referenced Sam Liu, the director. He's worked with half a dozen yeah. Batman and, and he didn't do the yeah. Batman, the animated series and the other animated series and Diedrich Bader and Kevin Conroy and all these guys. There's been such a legacy of who has played this iconic role. <laughs> Yeah, and once you start doing, you know, I don't want to get too highfalutin with my, my talk here, but you're going through an artistic moment, no matter what, even if you're um, playing Batman and you have all of these preconceived notions as to who he is, and still you bring your own thing to it, and you quickly learn that's not, it's, you know, democracy doesn't really serve that well. So I'm not looking to all these different people uh, outside of the director and the producer and whoever's on this project 
I'm not trying to, you know, I, I think you could harm your performance if you try to get too many pieces of input as to how it should be. So I really didn't look around that much. I tried to, um, it's not hard for a guy like me to completely clear his mind because it's, don't got a lot going up in there anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I tried, I tried to really kind of just give my own take. Uh, what I, what I can say is I appreciate the darkness that the, just the level of darkness that Batman could, um, go to, I guess, sink to dip into. And that did kind of serve as a, uh, uh, that served as a, a kind of a guidepost as to where I needed to put Bruce Wayne, um, if that makes any sense. Well, and, and the rumor is, is that when you went to the voice recordings, you had the sideburns, just like Bruce Wayne does in these films. I mean, I, you went full on in. I, I got to say, that's artistic, I man. Applied the sideburns. I, assigned, I applied the sideburns when I woke up that morning, and I, I, it took me 40 minutes to get in my tightest leather pants <laughs> and uh, really got in the character. <laughs> and we haven't been doing spoilers no. on the podcast, so we'll save that for a couple of weeks so people can see the film. But I thought the line when when you're with uh, Richard Dragon and you're trying to get Lady Shiva to kind of rejoin your group, and <laughs> Richard says you might want to put that mask on, and he says not now. And all of a sudden, he and Lady Shiva goes, he has a mask. <laughs> Just looks like. <laughs> The way they're talking about it, like he has a mask, like he has he has ninja stars, like it's it's something different. It's so weird. It's so unique. Exactly. I I know it's so funny. I I really appreciated that. And I just finally got to see the movie uh, this last week. And man, like when you're a voice performer, you do not you're not around these other actors. And I was just so impressed with them and what they brought and some of the comedy that really. Uh, rounds out the movie and, and allows for a guy like Batman to go so dark. It was just such a joy to watch. Well, the best line, the best line, Kelly, who has the best line, Lady Shiva, when she fights, and I don't remember the name of the character she fights, when she says, I'll take the woman, her outfit offends me. I, I literally was cracking up. I, was like, it was great, man. Was so and it's such, it is a little, and that's, I don't know, that's like one of those moments where it's playing in the genre of, of the time period, and it gives you this license to say certain things that like wouldn't necessarily i don't know they're like leaning into this 70s feel so it was quite fun i've been asking a lot of people this question and everybody's had a different answer um because it's set yeah. in the 70s and there were batman comic books uh written by the mm -hmm. great denny o'neill about that era who is this film targeting is it targeting the person who was a comic book collector who's in their 50s or is it targeting young people because it, it, it's brighter than some of the darker movies, but it's rated R, so how young could you really go? Like, how, who is the target demographic for a film set in the 1970s? Oh, boy, that's a really good question. And, and uh, forgive my ignorance. You know, I, I only just learned about Danny O'Neill maybe two interviews ago. You know, I, oh. I came at this pretty cold, but... I now know a little bit about what he brought. Um, but to answer your question, who is this targeting? Um, I think this movie, first of all, the luxury you have with any movie that has the word Batman in it is that 
the audience is going to find you. Right. And I think that's a luxury because this movie is going to educate certain people um, who only know Batman as a fully formed uh, character. Um, they're going to learn about his past, like some people who may have come to it, you know, in the 70s already knew about. Um, so I think, you know, when you built a myth as strong and as universal as Batman, you have the luxury of you build it and they will come, I think. I mean, I can't speak for the creators of the, and the writers of the, of the movie, but David Gentile's take is if you build it, they will come. And you can, as long as it's a quality piece that is true to the mythology and these fans are sophisticated, so you have to deliver a, uh, you know, a, a quality piece of work. We were t- I think they will come. Yeah, so. we were talking to Michael J. White uh, earlier, and we were saying, I can't wait for people to see this because I'm curious to see the reaction. You know, it, 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 yeah, I, it's, I just want to hear what, what people are going to think. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a cool mix. And again, like the R rating, I, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, oh wow, we're going there. And in, in <laughs> some of these moments, it is dark. It's not a joke movie. It happens to be in a genre that is fun in a time period that is fun, it is legit. Um, and it goes dark. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that your better half is playing Lois Lane this coming uh, winter slash spring. I mean, I would say fall, but we're in COVID world. So who knows when Superman and Lois uh, comes comes out. But how wild is that, that she's been Lois Lane in that incredible crisis, which I'm sure you've seen, and then on top of that, going to have this this new Superman show, which is going to be getting all the review. I mean, if you think your Batman thing's going to be going, everyone's going to have an opinion on Lois Lane. Yeah, I think the coolest thing about that is, so my wife, Elizabeth Tellick, yes, is playing, kind of born to play Lois Lane. But my spin, I just think it's cool that Batman sort of gets to go home with Lois Lane. So, you know, take that, Superman. Let's let, can we just deal with that? Um, yeah, it's, it's a romantic, it's a, it's a saga. It's, it's the coolest thing in the world. Our, our, my wife and I feel we, we pinch each other, uh, and we pinch ourselves at the very same time. We can't believe how lucky we are, and, uh, and our entire home is just steeped in, in, in DC mythology now. And the the funniest is social media that you know the Warner Brothers released like photos of you know her and 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 Tyler Hoechlin, and people are commenting on every stitch on this dude's costume, and I'm like, dude, Lois, she's right there. Like, wh- where are your priorities? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, Superman. You know, you're not you. Show me a country, show me a culture who does not know yeah. of this this guy. So, you know, everybody's got their opinions about that. But, yes, um, it's so cool. It's so cool. Well, I, I and I just have to – you can get cool points because I have some a suggestion between Christmas and New Year's. This movie, you'd have, you can easily find this on iTunes. There's a movie from the late 90s called the Batman Superman movie. Not Batman v Superman, the one with Ben Affleck. It's called the Batman Superman movie, and it's three episodes from the Superman animated series. 
and spoilers, there's a whole it's it's like a, a 60 minute animated film. But in it, the whole plot is Lois Lane hooks up with Bruce Wayne. And why wouldn't she? And He's it's Dana Delaney. It's, to him. Right, it's Dana Delaney, and it's one of the most awkward movies in the world because you're like, this is wrong on all these levels. <laughs> it's just so but perverse. But it's so right on another level. But it's <laughs> so right on another level. So <laughs> I'll be sure. Well, listen, we'll download it and watch it uh, in our house together at some point. <laughs> and you'll be like, You'll be like, this is how it's supposed to go. You can, you, I'll change the whole finance, uh, family dynamic here. He's, he's this dark, brooding superhero. <laughs> uh, Clark Kent's kind of a klutz. He's a good guy, you know. He's the kind of guy you want to marry, but you have an affair with, <laughs> with, with, uh, with Batman. There, there so, you know. Very nice. Uh, uh, Dave, thank you so much for doing this. Again, congrats on the film, Batman Soul of the Dragon, which is out now on uh, Blu-ray and uh, in all the digital platforms that you can get movies. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes on how to get this film. Uh, congrats, man. And uh, my best to you and, and your wife and your whole family. on uh, Continued success in 2021. Thank you so much. Wonderful chatting and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Uh, sounds great. We'd love to have you back. Take care. Our thanks to Kelly Hugh, Michael Jai White, Mark DeCascos, and David Gentoli. The film is Batman Soul of the Dragon. There's going to be a link in the show notes. There's also a way to get it on my Twitter feed. You can follow me at Seth underscore Everett. We're going to do an official review in a couple of weeks. This is a different take on a character we all know. It's not the same old, same old, and uh, it's, it's worth a view. The film is out on digital platforms on January 12th. It's on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, the whole thing, January 26th. And if you're listening to this in the future, well, tell us how the flying car is. Check out Batman Soul of the Dragon. And it's a great way to start off the Hall of Justice podcast here in 2021. Fingers crossed. Things have got to get better, right? See you next week. Yeah.